Good morning, ladies. We're so glad you're here this morning. We've got a real treat in store. We've got Elizabeth Tamlin, who is our prayer chairman for our class, who leads us as a leadership team in praying for you all. Um, regularly, very, very regularly. And so she will be speaking to us this morning before she comes up, if you would. Let's pray that the Lord would speak through her. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the one who is always faithful, the one who pursues us and initiates a relationship with us. Lord, it's in your holy grace that you have... um, that you protect us just like you protected your people in the book of Exodus from the fierce judgment that we all deserve. Thank you, Lord, for how you love us. I pray that today um, that Elizabeth would speak your words of truth to us, and I pray for our hearts and our minds and our ears that we would... um, that we would receive exactly what you have in store for us. And through your word, um, that you would just, your Holy Spirit would work powerfully in each one of us to transform us and to change us into people who are more like you, who love you more, who have even a stronger desire to study your word and learn more about you and that we, we would um, learn today even more how to apply that word to our lives so that we can be your people. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right. Well, I'm excited to be with you today. And um, I've entitled this lesson, Back to the Future. So we're kind of sticking with the movie thing. But um, if you would, one more slide. There we go. Um, and so, I, because I thought about, um, when I thought about this lesson, there's so much to unpack right here in these chapters, 11, 12, and 13. But I thought I can't truly um, do this justice without, um, without unpacking a few, other, uh, a few other things. So, right now, I have the privilege of taking a little extra class besides our Bible study. And in there, we're going through the book of Old Testament very quickly. And um, so we're looking, instead of looking at a couple of chapters a week, we're looking at, you know, like 40 chapters a week. And so, but it's, it's establishing this beautiful timeline of being able to see how um, the Bible all fits together into one long, big story. Because I used to, lo- like I used to be in children's ministry and I would see, you know, David and Goliath and Jesus feeds the 5,000. And I, I love the stories and there are truths from that. But to be able to back up and see the whole thing in one timeline is so awesome. And so this is what I look like when I discovered that this whole thing fits together. It's so awesome. And it's such a beautiful story. And God is so genius the way he he puts this whole story together. And so the next slide, we see a picture of our church. So normally when we do our Bible study, we're just like doing the lesson and we're, say we walk into Watermark and we see, okay, there's the coffee bar and there are the stairs and there's people and there's my Diet Coke and, you know, all those things. And so that's normally how we kind of take our lesson. But I just want to take a minute today and go backwards just a tiny bit. And we're going to rise up as if we're like in a helicopter. There we go. There's our aerial view. And we're going to take just a little look behind, and then we're going to look at our chapter today, and then we're just going to go forward a little bit too, because I think it gives us a great perspective that we might not have. And so it just, I started out thinking, 
why are these people even leaving again? And I know Lucina covered it the first week, but I just want to just remind you that way back in Genesis, um, when we studied that, uh, a man named Abraham, God came to him and gave him a promise. And we call it the Abrahamic covenant. And he, he, he said, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And so he promised land, seed and blessing. And so what happened from there was there were a couple of more descendants. And then we heard, we, if you've studied Genesis, there we, or if not, you've heard of the movie, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. As we move on, there's a man named Joseph. He gets his brothers, his wretched brothers, sell him into slavery and he winds up in Egypt. But he climbs the ladder and he's like second in command of Pharaoh. Well, meanwhile, in the promised land where his family is, there's a famine. And this is all orchestrated from the Lord. So they come over to get food and lo and behold, there's the brother. They have a big reunion. And he even says something like what uh, you meant for evil, God meant for good. And, and God can do that. And we'll see that today as well. Um, but, but so, they, they, so they continue on. So that's how they even got there. And when they left, there were about 70 of them. Well, over 400 years, they have multiplied. And they have, there's now 600,000, like we learned from our scripture today. So that's why I just wanted to kind of back up just a little bit. This is one long, beautiful story that um, none of it's a mistake. And it's amazing because even way back in Genesis 15, um, It says that Abram fell into a deep sleep and the Lord said to him, know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. This is happening right now where we're studying and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. That's what's happening now. This was a long time ago that this was predicted. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves and afterward they will come out with great possessions. Like this is one long story. So we can look at today and we can learn from it, but don't forget the beautiful long timeline of God's plan. And it continues on all through the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And it is just genius. And it makes me so excited for God's word. And, and to be excited about his word, then I fall in more in love with him. And when I fall more in love with him, then I want to be transformed to be like him. And I hope the same thing will happen to you. So, so now we're in the storyline and we're back um, and, we, and we see here today in our lesson that God called, you can go back, God calls us to remember. He, he calls it, he's, we've got the Passover we want to remember and this story that we want to remember. He calls us to remember his promises, his faithfulness, and his provision. And we're going to see all of those things today from the past, the present, and the future. So now we're in the storyline and we're just looking right ahead. And we know that we have seen a, a bunch of plagues and they've gotten worse and worse. Some of them um, happened to the Israelites and the Egyptians. And then most recently, it's just been the Egyptians. And, you know, it made me think like they've seen all these things, the livestock and the flies and the boils and the locusts and the darkness. And you just want to say, hello, Egyptians, or hello, McFly, if you know the movie. Like, what is wrong with you that you can't see the light, so to speak. Like, I I can't imagine having all those things around me and not being able to see it. But then I kind of need to pause and think, is there some place in my life that I'm, that I'm clueless? Like some writing on the wall that I, I am not seeing and other people in my life are. And that also just stresses the importance of community because there are times when we are blinded, just like the Egyptians were to all these things going on in our life and we can't get it. So that would just be a prayer today that the Lord would reveal to each of us, like, is there an area that I am just not getting that I am not seeing the writing on the wall? 
Um, so we move on and we see that the first few plagues were irritating and then the latest one was that d darkness. I can't even imagine how, how terrible that was for the Egyptians. Um, but we also see that way, way back, we talked about the Genesis passages, but even just in this book, from back in Exodus 4, um, he, Pharaoh is, um, then God is telling Moses to say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so he may worship me, but you refuse to let him go. So I will kill your firstborn son. Like it's right there. He's been told what is going to happen. And yet we're also surprised that, you know, what happens. And so it's just amazing. And it, you know, it reminds me of how Pharaoh, Pharaoh did the same thing. Remember when he was killing those newborns and drowning them in the Nile? And, um, and the verses from Exodus 1.16, when you're helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see it's a boy, kill him. And so uh, I know that the, 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 the little saying, what comes around goes around, is not particularly exactly in Scripture, but we sure see it here, don't we? But there is a Scripture that, that does relate to that, and from Galatians 6, 7, and 8, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from their flesh will reap eternal destruction. And that is exactly what we see here. Um, and so anyway, so we move on and we see that, um, you know, we just need to ask ourselves, we see this hardened heart in Pharaoh. And it started out that he kind of hardened his own heart. And then later on, we, we saw that God did that also. But we just want to ask ourselves, you know, is there a place in your life that you're saying, uh, never say never? Sometimes I teach young moms in various capacities, um, apples of gold and mops. And sometimes I ask them, you know, is there a place that you're saying, ne I will never do this or I will never do that. That is not going to happen. Like that is a non-negotiable because that's basically what happened with Pharaoh. He was, he was not humble. He was hard hearted and it just got more so. And so um, it would just be uh, something to ask yourselves. Like, is there something going through your mind? Like I will never let my child do this or that, or I will never, whatever, fill in the blank. Because I think we all have areas where we think, well, that is a given, like absolutely not, because that can turn into hard heartedness. And so we just need to be humble and uh, go before the Lord and ask him what he wants and the way and do things the way that he would like. So now we move on to this, don't write down this, this, I went crazy with the D thing, but Really, I just want, it helps me to like to go through the passage and see what can we get from each little section. So don't write that down. But there's other good stuff you can write down. So I just want to start with those first few, the first chapter was from 11 and it just had 10 verses and, um, and I called it the divine design. Like this is what God is saying is going to happen. And we see that indeed it does happen. And so we see, first of all, those verses one through three, the Lord is giving instructions to Moses that there's going to be one more plague and Pharaoh will let you go. You can ask your neighbors for stuff and they're going to give it to you. Um, and so then we move on to four through eight, where now Moses is telling Pharaoh and those, those verses of one through three, like that's just like a parenthesis because when you finish chapter 10, Moses and Pharaoh were talking, and then we have these little verses, and now we have Moses and Pharaoh talking again. It's probably the same encounter. Um, so, uh, so just so you kind of know where we are. So M Moses is telling Pharaoh and that this is what's going to happen. And this is what the Lord says, he tells to, to uh, Pharaoh. At midnight, the Lord will go throughout Egypt, and every firstborn of Egypt will die, from Pharaoh's son to the slave girl's child, and even the cattle. It'll be wailing worse than you've ever known, but for the Israelites, they will be saved. There will be a distinction. And so that is what is predicted. And it was interesting because I think that um, everybody in Egypt, they saw these plagues, they knew about them, 
um, but, th- but they didn't listen to God. And we see that with Pharaoh, but we also see that with the Egyptians. Like, is it possible for us to see what God is doing, but not to trust him, not to surrender or submit? There's a verse from James, you believe there's one God? Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. So it's possible for you to see what God is doing and still not respond to it. Um, there's a, it's possible for you to know about God, but not to know God. And so that would be our challenge today is to make sure that you know him personally, not just about him, not just, you know, studying and being able to tell you, tell another person about his attributes or, or things like that, but is, do you know him? And, um, and that's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. It's like, to me, it was like uh, the story, you may have heard this, of um, uh, an engineer who designs an airplane. And he knows about the laws of aeronautics, uh, aerodynamics, he knows physics, and he knows how to put this together, knowing that this thing will fly. And he can design it, and he can build it. But until he gets on it, that's not the same thing. So you can know about God, but do you know him? Do you trust him? Do you allow him into your life? Do you let him make, uh, guide you to make decisions? And so our truth here is just that seeing God's at work is not the same as trusting him. You know, even the demons believe that there's a God, but they don't trust him. So then we move on and we see um, the beginning of chapter 12 and we see there is a distinct plan for the Israelites, what they're supposed to do and for the Egyptians and, and what happens to them. So the plan for the Israelites is they're supposed to prepare this Passover meal. Now, um, they're told to get together in a community and take one lamb per family or if there's some people out there that don't have a family to be a part of to, you know, gather them together, maybe one household and gather a, uh, an, a year old male lamb without defect. And they're going to take care of it until the 14th. And so I just thought, you know, if we had a lamb living in our house for four days, they would like be named and be sleeping in our bed because we love our pets. But I think, you know, they probably did get a little bit attached to this thing and then they have to sacrifice it. Right. And so then they slaughter it at twilight and they take some of the blood and they put it on the door frame, right? They put it there and that's going to be the sign um, uh, about who to pass over. And, and if it's not there, then God will destroy them. So the cooking of this Passover meal was done differently. We get a lot of very specific instructions. And nowadays we see a lot of dietary restrictions and different diets and do it this way, do it that way. And right here we have a lot of very specific um, directions. And so we see that uh, this meal is not to be taken lightly. It is to be set apart. It is to be done differently. It's not an afterthought. First, the lamb was to be roasted. And normally they cooked in like pans or pots, but to do that, they would have had to take it apart to fit. So the lamb is roasted in one piece and we see that uh, no bones were broken. And we're gonna see the foreshadowing of that in just a minute. Um, it is left whole. Then we see that the, uh, it's to be cooked as one, one item, um, that bitter herbs were also used. And this is to remind them of their bitterness and the slavery and bondage of, of Egypt and be reminded of that. And then we read a lot about unleavened bread where um, it, again, was just, there was no time to let it rise. And that was representing that they were going to be leaving in haste and they were going to be leaving in obedience. And there wasn't time to do a lot of preparation. This was it. Um, And then we go on to see that if there was any leftover meat of the lamb, it was to be burned and not used again. And again, this just shows them that they're throwing out the extras because they need to have full and complete trust in God's provision to be able to know that he will provide for them yesterday, today, and forever. Um, And then this meal was to be eaten by families, including the children. Um, The way they were dressed was to be that they were supposed to have their cloak 
tucked in their belt, their sandals on their feet, their staff in their hand, and to eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And so all this was given to them, these very specific instructions about how to do it. And this shows like everything about this meal cries out fast food, right? Like they are, it's ready to go, ready to roll. Um, First, they're trusting as they prepare, and then they're ready to act. And um, this was designed to minimize the time and and, uh, the minimize time and maximize being ready to roll. And so it's an issue of faith. Did they believe this? And and were they going to be ready to go? They totally rearranged their life to show their readiness to follow God. They were leaving their homes that they had built. I want you to think about like what that would be like to think, to think about packing up your kids and having them ready, having your sandals, having your clothes, having this quick meal and being ready to leave the home that you live in because that's exactly what they were doing. What incredible trust and what incredible rearrangement of their life. And so I just thought to myself, what are you willing to leave behind? Or what have you left behind to follow Christ? For some of you, it could be great. It could be a family. It could be a heritage. It could be um, a lifestyle. Um, or, or maybe it's something smaller, like leaving behind a TV show that you know is not just in the best interest of your heart and your mind. Um, me, leaving behind a job. For me, I, I worked when, when my firstborn was born and I had a really hard time deciding whether or not to quit. And I, I struggled. I had a great job with great people and I was in charge and I had a secretary and I loved all about all of that. And it was really hard to leave that behind. But the Lord made it very clear to me that's what he wanted me to do. And so um, to, to just rearrange our life, to follow him and to wholeheartedly um, give everything to him. Um, So it's interesting to consider when you think about them preparing for this meal that they had to fully obey all these commands and put the blood on the door frame and then they went inside and then they had to shut the door and wait. And so sometimes we are called to obey and then wait. And if you think about it, like there was no peephole, like what's happening out there? There's no window. They can't run around the back door to come out and see what's happening. I mean, they, they obeyed. And they followed the directions and they went inside and they waited. And I just think about that also just shows tremendous faith. Um, And so they weren't really able to see the blood covering. They put it on there and then they went inside. And so um, it just, I just made me think about, you know, where are you willing to trust? And are you willing to fully and completely obey like they did? Like obey and then wait. And because that can be tough. So then we go on and we see the plan for the Israelites, unfortunately, was that they would, God would pass by in every household that didn't have the blood on it, that he would take the firstborn. And those that did, he would pass over their house and they would be saved through the blood of the lamb. And so we're going to talk about that in just a minute, how that um, impacts our future. Um, so we, when we move on to see that, that there's a whole bunch of directions that we have in verses 14 to 40, the, that Moses is kind of stepping back and giving us a historical overview of the Exodus, helping us see the, re, the importance of remembering. We're, even before this thing happens, we're told that they are going to be remembering this annually. And um, so it's a day to commemorate. It's, um, and, it, and again, it hasn't even happened and they're already thinking about mem- remembering it. So, but you think about, you know, if we're going to remember, God calls us to remember his um, promises, his faithfulness and his provision. Like we need to do the same thing because when you're in a tight spot, you think you're, it's hard to remember. And if you're using your emotions to uh, remind yourself of God's provision in the past or his faithfulness in the past, like it's going to waver. And so I thought to myself, what do we do to remember? Is it a journal? Is it um, some sort of writing? Is it stones of remembrance? For me, I thought, what have I done to remember? In part for me, it was not so much a journal as it is like just photos, 
family photos of remembering God's faithfulness as, uh, you know, and, and just the fears that I had, but his faithfulness as I raised my children and my family. And so um, I would just encourage you to have some record of remembering because, so uh, some of y'all know that I just entered this empty nest phase and I really, really hated it the first six or eight weeks and pretty much cried every day. And I could now, but I'm not gonna let myself. But I needed to remember God's provision in the past. Like he's never put me through a new season that he didn't provide for me, never, ever. And I needed to be able to remember that. Like, this is not going to be different. He's still going to provide for me. He's still going to be faithful. And he's still going to um, uphold his promises because he's good and he loves me. And so, you know, when you're in a tough season, it's good to be able to look back and go, I know, I know him and I know his character and he has provided in the past and he will provide in the future. And so remembering, and that's what the Passover, remembering the Passover feast is all about. It's just remembering what God did on this amazing night of passing over the Israelites and saving them and getting them back to the country that was promised to them. We move on and say that then uh, Moses tells them, like, go do it. Now, all the things we talked about, go and do. And we already talked about the meal there. And we see in verses 24 to 28 that the Israelites are told and they, they um, obey and remember and they bowed down and worshiped. It also says that they did just what the Lord commanded um, Moses and, and um, Aaron. And I think, wow, they, they have had these 400 years and now they are um, doing just what the Lord commanded. And that's, I believe it's in verse 28 and we're gonna see it again in 50. Like they did, you don't see that very often in scripture. Like they did just what the Lord commanded. And I wanna be known for somebody that does that same thing. So we see that as they eat the meal, God does come through and sweep the Egyptians, the firstborn child. And um, it was just a, uh, but then those that had the blood, they they were covered and their sins, and and they were covered to be saved from, um, from that. And meanwhile, the Israelites can probably hear all the wailing and weeping and things going on out there. Um, so then we find out that during the night that Pharaoh summons um, Moses and uh, Aaron, and he says, go, take your flocks, take your herds, get out. And so they do that. They're able to get things from that, that, that they, you know, again, it's his provision. Like they needed these things to be able to live on in the next few years as they leave everything behind. Um, we see that 600 men probably left and um, they were just, they, they got all this plunder from the Egyptians because God set it up that way. And in verse 38, it says that many other people went with them, also large droves of livestock, flocks, and herds. So again, provision. But some Egyptians might have believed and gone with them as well. So it's interesting to see some of those were tenderhearted and believed. And so I just thought to myself, where's God delivered you? He probably hasn't delivered you from a foreign country, anybody here, but he probably has and we know that he has the ability to deliver you from anything. For me, he's delivered me from, and continues to do so, but to deliver me from negative thought patterns and comparison and thinking I don't measure up and I'm not good enough. And God continues through his word and through other people and through, his, and through prayer to just remind me that he has delivered me. And so I would just say that like UPS, God is still in the business of, of delivery and uh, he can help you deliver you from whatever it is. Then we move on and see the details of the Passover restrictions. We see, we already knew about the where, it was in the homes. We saw the what, it was a lamb, and how to cook it. And now we're going to see who, like who can do this. And we talked about already the families, but um, he goes on to talk about some details about that no fur, foreigner um, or uncircumcised may eat of it. And so he's not speaking about ethnicity or social status. He's talking about a right heart with God. Well, 
for us anyway. For them, he really was talking about physical circumcision, that they should be set apart by faith. This is the symbol for them back then. But for us, it's probably more about um, being circumcised of the heart. We see from Romans 2, it talks about a circumcised heart is one that surrenders and submits to God. Not a cutting of the flesh, but a a cutting of, of ugliness and sin patterns. That we can't do it on our own, but it's through Jesus Christ. Um, And then we go on to see that same verse. And all the Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Aaron and Moses. That's amazing. They obeyed. And then we move on in our last passage before we get to our application is just how they consecrated the newborn. And I think here that's, that's put in here just to say, don't forget that everything you have is from him. Don't forget that, um, that your first and your best and your everything is to the Lord because um, it's easy to sometimes take ownership of things in our lives, our children, our families, our things, but really everything is about him, that God is superior and we need to remember that submission to him is first and foremost. And we want to recognize his plan for salvation, which we're going to talk about just here in a minute. So God calls us to remember his promises, his faithfulness, and his provision. And so we see the story of how he saved the Israelites. We see how there was a blood provision for them. And we see that God's, that was God's plan to save them from Egyptians and to get them back to the land that was promised to them a really long time ago. But we also know that the lamb of today, Jesus Christ, does the same thing for us, but in, a, in an even bigger and mighty way. And so we see our little chart coming up here that the lambs compared. The lamb of yesterday saved the Israelites from the death plague. And the lamb of yesterday, and the lamb of today, Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, saves you today from e- eternal destruction and um, sets you free from sin. We see that the lamb of yesterday was unblemished, um, and and they chose him, and that's why they watched him for three or four or five days because they wanted to make sure there was nothing wrong with him. And we see that Jesus Christ was that same man; he was perfect in every way. We see from First Peter one. 18 and 19, for, I, for you know that it was not with perishable items such as silver or gold that you have been redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Jesus Christ was unblemished. He was perfect. He never sinned. And we also see that the lamb back then was chosen and examined and Jesus, the same thing. He had four, about the same amount of time of being questioned and being tricked and trying to fall, put, make him fall into a trap but he, he did not waver. He was still perfect and sinless. And then we learned that there were no bones broken to the, the, whole, the lamb uh, represented the whole. And we see that today, that Jesus Christ, when he died, no, no bones were broken on the cross. That's from John 19, 33, if you want to look that up. And we saw that the lamb was served as a whole and that Jesus Christ is, is it. He is, saves completely. It is finished. And um, so we just see that the, 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 we need a blood sacrifice. In fact, um, Leviticus 17:11 tells us, "For the life of a creature is in its blood, and I have given it t- to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life." And then from Hebrews 9:22, "Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness." And we see this all through the Bible. When we look back at Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, they covered themselves with leaves, but then God came in and gave them animal skins. Again, a, sa- a blood sacrifice to make them right with Him. And then we see that in this, um, in this passage, blood sacrifice is required to save them. And then we see it in our future. Jesus Christ came to save you. He died on a cross. And so you think, well, I don't really know that I even need to be saved because I don't break really the 10 commandments. I'm nice to my mom and dad. I don't kill. I don't steal. You know, I think I'm good. But um, James 2, 10 tells us whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point 
he is guilty of breaking all of it. And so uh, we also know from Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, no matter how good you might be. And so we need to know that it's not our good deeds. It's not our ancestors or our family heritage. Um, It is not no amount of service or giving. None of those things can save you. Not being a good person. I heard recently somebody say, it's just all about working hard and being kind. Like those are great things, but it's, it's about more than that. It's about trusting in the blood that Jesus Christ shed for you. Nothing you can do will save you. It is by, salvation is by faith alone. We see from John, First uh, John 2, 2, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. And we see here that, that, God, that Jesus Christ takes away our sins. And so we need to know that we are sinners. But um, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it is a gift. But it's a gift you must receive. You can't just know about him, you need to know him and accept him for provision in your life because that's what he did. So the past showed us um, that this was gonna happen. The Passover shows us that they, those Israelites were saved through the blood, but you too can be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I would just ask you, where do you stand today? We could be like Pharaoh where we see it and we, uh, we see impending judgment, there's severe judgment, but we still don't place our trust in Christ. Or we can be like the Israelites and we can obey and we can follow Christ and we can understand the blood sacrifice that he made for us. Um, and so I would just ask you, what would, what would you know, uh, God calls us to remember his promises because he's faithful to them. He's the only one that can be completely faithful to their promises. Um, he is faithful, his faithfulness, we can remember, like he will do what he says he's gonna do. We see that all through these chapters and that he provides, he, he is our provision for each and everything, both in the past and the present and the future. John fourteen six tells us, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I ask you today, what will you do with this statement? Will you harden and reject it like we saw some people in the passage or will you soften and accept? Let me pray. Father, we thank you that we can look back and we can see your faithfulness and we can see your promises answered and we can see your provision. Lord, I just pray that we would understand that. And if there's anybody in here who doesn't understand the blood sacrifice that you made for each and every one of us, that they would go and ask, that they would be bold enough and courageous enough to find out more information, Lord. It is my prayer that they would accept you as their savior. Father, we thank you for each woman here. Pray for rich discussion in our groups. We thank you that you've given us your word so that we can learn from the past and the present and the future. In Jesus' name, amen. So I you know what, there's some questions up there. Those are some of the ones we went through. It's the very last slide. Um, and you know, if just one of those, you might just read over those. If there's one of those that kind of connects, like I'm just gonna read them real quickly. Is there somewhere you're missing the writing on the wall? Is there an area that you're hard-hearted? Do you know about God or do you know God? Are you willing to leave things behind to follow him? Um, Are you willing to obey completely? And how do you remember God's faithfulness? And then um, where has he delivered me and am I willing to soften and accept? So just to take away some applications so that you can um, just, you know, think deeply about these passages. Thanks. Thanks.